1: Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston.
2: The title of the message today is A Gift Beyond Description, A Gift Beyond Description. Christmas is a time of giving, a time of shopping. Ever since the wise men from the East showed up in Bethlehem carrying gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, people have been exchanging gifts at Christmas. Of course, it's much more complicated today than it was for the wise men. For one thing, they didn't have to contend with shopping malls packed full of people and um, the the roads um, crowded with cars. This Christmas, millions of people, both children and adults, will open millions of gifts. Some won't fit, some will be the wrong color, many will be returned and exchanged after Christmas. But there's one gift that meets everyone's need, one gift that will never break or need repairing. It is a gift that is appropriate for a small child or a teenager or an adult or senior adult, boy, girl, man or woman, it makes no difference. The gift we all need, the most valuable gift of all, is that baby in the manger, the one that this whole season is all about. The Apostle Paul says this gift is indescribable. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is writing about human gifts. The church at Corinth is taking up offerings to give to the poor Christians in Jerusalem because there is a famine there. He commends them for their eagerness to help and reminds them that those who sow sparingly will also reap sparingly. But those who Uh, so generously will reap generously and then he shifts his attention from human gifts to God's gift of sending Jesus to earth for us and he cannot find words to describe this gift and he simply says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15 thanks be to God for his indescribable gift that is from the NIV translation, and the New Living Translation says, Thank God for His Son, a gift too wonderful for words. At this time of the year, we do our best to depict the wonderfulness of God's gift of Jesus Christ to us. Musicians have composed some of their greatest music on this theme Handel's Messiah box, uh, Christmas oratoria, and the beautiful carols, some of which we sang this morning, uh, Joy to the World, Silent Night, O Little Town of Bethlehem, or Come All Ye Faithful and you know, you know Them. Some of the greatest music our ears will ever hear were written about God's indescribable gift. Poets and painters and sculptors have taken up the tools of their trade to pay tribute to Jesus, the gift of God's love. And so the question really is, why is Jesus called indescribable? I think there are at least four four reasons that we can find why Jesus uh, has been called by Paul uh, indescribable. The first is because of his nature, because of his nature. Now, how would you describe Jesus? What words would you choose? How do you describe a baby born of a virgin? How do you describe God in the flesh, walking upon the earth and reaching out to hurting masses of humanity? How do you describe that which is spirit when all we have ever known is that which is either physical or material? How do you describe God who has all knowledge when all we have is limited knowledge? How do you describe God who is all-powerful? How do you describe the eternal? Paul says we can't do it. It's indescribable. Listen to Paul as he writes to the Colossian Christians in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before God made anything at all and is supreme over all creation. Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and earth. He existed before everything else began and he holds all creation together. Now Isaiah said he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. And so, in the Living New Living Translation, uh, Isaiah chapter seven fourteen reads: "Look, the virgin will conceive a child; she will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. God is with us." Theologians call this truth the incarnation. It means that God took on human flesh. God became a human being. It is a hard concept for us to understand. And in the early church, there were many debates that were held about what this really meant. Some people said Jesus was really a man. He just looked, was not really a man, he just looked like a man. Others said he had the body of a man, but he didn't have a human soul. Still others said Jesus was two people in one body, sort of half God and half man. And unbelievers said it was all a bunch of nonsense, that Jesus wasn't God at all. All these ideas were plainly wrong. So when Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb, the infinite God took on the form of a tiny unborn baby boy. Eternal God added to humanity. Surely the greatest miracle of all time. No one can say how it happened or even how God can become man without ceasing to be God. Let me say it this way. The Son did not cease to be God when he became a man. He added manhood, but he did not subtract deity or divinity. He was fully God and fully man, the God-man. Ponder that for a moment. The almightiness of God moved in a human arm. The love of God now beat in a human heart. The wisdom of God now spoke from human Lips, the mercy of God reached for the, reached forth from human hands. God was always a God of love. But when Christ came to earth, love was wrapped in human flesh. Perhaps um, an illustration might clarify it a little bit. Let's suppose that I owned an ant farm. And for reasons known only to myself, I loved those ants more than anything else in the world. Now, how could I communicate my love to those ants? I could shout, I love you, but because I speak English and they speak ant, whatever language it is, they wouldn't understand. I could write them a letter, but they couldn't read it. I could shrink down to ant size, but they wouldn't recognize me. But if I had supernatural powers there is one thing I could I could do I could take on the form of an ant be born as an ant live as an ant and communicate as they do then I could find a way to say I love you that is what God did he didn't mail a letter or shout from heaven he did one thing we could understand. God himself came down and entered the human race. He became just like us so that forever we would hear him saying, I love you. We wouldn't have done it that way, of course. You know, we live um, in a, at a time when uh, the media is very important, so we would schedule a press conference, a call to the TV and radio stations, Maybe hire a press agent, have a parade, or call the dignitaries, sell tickets, make a big deal so that all the world would see and uh, and hear. But that's not God's way of acting. But the second reason why Paul called Jesus indescribable is because of his purpose in coming to earth. Because of his purpose in coming to earth. The angels announced to the shepherds the purpose of Christ's birth. It said, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, when God looked at our uh, at our world, he knew that our greatest need is not more wealth, nor more schools, nor even a better welfare system. Our greatest need is for a Savior. And so John chapter 3 uh, 16 and 17, uh, Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it but to save it. And the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. In Matthew 18 and verse 11. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Jesus was God's rescue mission to the human race. He came on a mission from God and accomplished that mission. Now, how do you put into words what God accomplished when he sent his only begotten son into the world? Paul says, you can't really put it into words. You see, I think that uh, Jesus' gift, uh, the gift of Jesus to us is indescribable because of his nature because of his purpose in coming, and thirdly, because of the grace by which Jesus is given. Because of the grace by which Jesus is given. You see, every gift that I give today, this Christmas, will be given because the recipient of that gift has some claim on me. I'll buy a gift for my wife because she's my wife. I'll buy a gift for my children because they are my children. I'll buy a gift for my grandchildren because they are my grandchildren. We buy gifts for family members because they are family. Now, if I buy a gift for you or give you a gift and you're not a member of my family, it is probably because I have a relationship with you that you've done something which is, which is very special and I want to say thank you. You see, if I give a gift to feed the hungry or to clothe the naked or to take care of the homeless, I do it because deep down inside, I recognize that I have a debt, of, a debt to humanity, a feeling of obligation to my fellow human beings. Now that is what makes God's gift so special. He doesn't owe us anything. Indeed, we are in constant rebellion against him and, he, and his will for us. Paul says something remarkable in Romans chapter 5, 6, uh, 6 through 8. He says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, No one is likely to die for a good person though someone might be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You see, God's gift to us was not because he was obligated to do something for us. God's gift to us was completely because of his grace. There's nothing in us which would cause God to want to give us a gift, the gift of salvation. It's a gift of grace. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, 8 and 9, God saved you by his special favor when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. There are no words adequate enough to describe God's grace towards us in Jesus Christ. But the fourth reason... Is because of the effect on us. The fourth reason why Paul called Jesus indescribable is because of Christ's effect on us. So, what happens when we receive this gift? When you open your gifts today, will your life be different? When you receive the gifts that have been purchased for you by loved ones, will this change your life and make you different? Or will you be the same as you have always been? The Bible tells us that when we accept the indescribable gift of God, that we will never be the same again because of its effects on our life. And Paul describes this in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. He says, Those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore, for the old life is gone, and new life has begun. The indescribable gift of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, has changed my life and your life, and many of those who will be listening to me. And we can rejoice that we are not what we used to be, since he has come into our lives. Jesus has reshaped our lives and put all of the broken pieces back together again. It is he who has given us real purpose in life and a reason to live. The first effect of Jesus coming into our life is that we are forgiven of our sins. Ephesians chapter one and verse seven uh, says In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. You see, when God forgives our sins, he forgets them. They'll be will not be remembered anymore. In fact, he buries them as deep as the ocean. But uh, secondly, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we are adopted into the family of God and are guaranteed citizenship in heaven. Before, we were were foreigners and aliens, separated from God. But now, because we have accepted him, we are the adopted sons and daughters of Almighty God. Everything that belongs to Jesus also belongs to us now. We are brothers and sisters in God's family when we accept his indescribable gift. Ephesians chapter chapter 1 and verse 5 says, His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. In Galatians chapter 4, 4 and 5. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And then, thirdly, when we accept Jesus Christ, and this in the Scrabble gift, we are given his peace. Not the peace of the world, but the peace that passes all understanding. Peace that allows us to cope with the situations we have to deal with every day. Peace that allows us to look beyond the smog of our world to the pure air of heaven. John 14 and verse 27, Jesus told his disciples, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. And fourthly, because of Jesus, because we accept Jesus as God's indescribable gift, our mansion in heaven is paid for. A dwelling place that will last for all eternity. And that's indescribable as well. So Jesus says in John 14 and verses 2 and 3, There are many rooms in my Father's house, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly, When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You see, the Apostle Paul looked at at Jesus and said, I can't describe him. All I can do is to fall on my knees and thank God for his indescribable gift. And that is what we need to do this Christmas day, to fall on our knees and thank God for his indescribable gift. There's just nobody like Jesus he and he alone is worthy of every song, every song about him, every verse ever written about him, every dollar ever given to him, every soul ever surrendered to him, every sermon ever preached about him. He and he alone is worthy of every knee ever knelt before him, every head ever bowed before him, every testimony ever given about him, every praise ever proclaimed to him, every tear ever shed for him, every decision ever made for him. He, he and he alone is worthy of every stand ever taken for him, every title ever assigned to him, every gift ever presented to him, every heart ever consecrated to him, every service ever performed for him, every burden ever shouldered for him, and every cause ever established for him. Yes, Jesus is certain worthy of all. But best of all, He will never leave us, never forsake us, never mislead us, never forget us, never overlook us, never cancel an appointment with us. So for when we fall, he lifts us up. When we confess failure, he forgives us. When we are weak, he is our strength. When we are lost, he is our guide. When we are afraid, he is our assurance. When we stumble, he steadies us. When we are hurt, he heals us. When we are singing, he is our song. When we are praying, he is our authority. And when we are worshiping, he is our Lord and our God. There's just nobody like Jesus. Let us give him praise and let us give him thanks. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen. Thank you
1: for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424.